of Psalm 89. For who in the heaven can be compared unto the Lord? Who among the sons of the mighty can be likened unto the Lord? God is greatly to be feared in the assembly of the saints, and to be had in reverence of all them that are about him. O Lord God of hosts, who is a strong Lord like unto thee, or to thy faithfulness round about thee? Thou rulest the raging of the sea. When the waves thereof arise, thou stillest them. Thou hast broken Rahab in pieces, as one that is slain. Thou hast scattered thine enemies with thy strong arm. The heavens are thine, the earth also is thine. As for the world and the fullness thereof, thou hast founded them. The north and the south, thou hast created them. Tabor and Hermon shall rejoice in thy name. Thou hast a mighty arm, strong is thy hand, and high is thy right hand. Justice and judgment are the habitation of thy throne. Mercy and truth shall go before thy face. The verses here, first couple of verses I read, verse 7 in particular says, God is greatly to be feared in the assembly of the saints. I was visiting an older gentleman the other day, yesterday I guess it was. I was telling him about the message I preached Sunday morning. And uh, one of the, you know, I gave him the three points. He said one of them was that faith recognizes authority. And he said, oh boy, that is so lacking in our day. No one respects authority. And really, that is true because Romans 8, 1, or 118 is true. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Uh, Proverbs 1, 7 tells us the beginning, that fear is the beginning of knowledge. Proverbs 9.10 tells us that fear is the beginning of wisdom. And this, and this lack of fear, or you, know, you could use a strong word for the word reverence, uh, is demonstrated by the disrespect for and rebellion against any and all authority that we so, see so prevalent in our world today. Uh, whether it's parents, police, pastors, teachers, whoever it is. It's almost like it's automatic or uh, that you're disdained. Or I remember Dr. Bill Rice say, third saying one time that he was preaching a revival and was preaching on the home. And he said, uh, this lady was sitting behind his said to somebody that was sex, sitting next to her, and one of these authoritarians, as if to be one that has authority or in a position of authority or that parents ought to be or, or fathers ought to ha have authority in their home was uh, someone who had cooties or something like that, you know something that was disdainful. No. Um, you know, this, this, this lack or disrespect for authority is a lack of fear for God. So I want to give you a, basically tonight four reasons, and I have some sub-points, why we should fear God. Why we should fear God. First of all, because of who He is. These are, these are really, really rather elementary. 
Because of who he is, verse 6 and 7 says, Who in the heavens can be compared unto the Lord? Who among the sons of the mighty can be likened unto the Lord? God is greatly to be feared in the assembly of the saints and to be had in reverence of them that are about him. So as you think about who he is, uh, he is, of course, the omniscient, the omnipresent, the omnipotent God. Now let's look at each of those a little bit. He's the omniscient. That means he's all-knowing. He knows everything. Matthew 12, 25 says, And Jesus knew their thoughts and said unto them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and every city or house divided against itself shall not stand. Luke chapter 6, verse 8, But he knew their thoughts and said to the man which had the withered hand, Rise up and stand forth in the midst. And he arose and stood forth. You know, Matthew 10, 30 says, But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. I know that's easier for some of us older ones than it is for some of you younger ones. But, but imagine trying to count the hairs on Mandy's head. I'm not even going to try. I wouldn't even try Brother Hoyles. <laughs> and mine's getting in that class too. You know, I wouldn't even try that. But it says that even the hairs of our head are all numbered. Think about that. God knows the numbers of the hairs on your head. He knows everything. So he's omniscient. He's omnipresent. That means he's everywhere. He's always present. I know this is hard for us to understand. It's hard for me not to comprehend. But Jesus said in John 3.13, No man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man which is in heaven. And he was on earth when he said that. John 1 and verses 45 to 49 we see an illustration of that you know while the Lord Jesus was on earth he was everywhere. He he had he was omnipresent. John 45 Philip findeth Nathanael, and saith unto him, We have found him of whom Moses and the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said unto him, Can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? Philip saith unto him, Come and see. So, you know, if you read it, reading that carefully, it is evident to me that Philip and Nathanael were at a place where they could not see Jesus. Okay? But Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him, and saith unto him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom is no guile. Nathanael saith unto him, Whence knowest thou me? Jesus answered and said unto him, Before that Philip called thee, when thou wast under the fig tree, I saw thee. Nathanael answered and saith unto him, Rabbi, thou art the Son of God, thou art the King of Israel. See, even Nathanael recognized this guy, this, this, this man that I'm looking at, who appears to be just a man, is not just a man because he can see everywhere. So he's omnipresent. Um, Matthew 10.29 says, Are not two sparrows sold for a farthing? And one of them shall not fall on the ground without your father. No. You know, to, me, to me that's 
sentence doesn't isn't finished, but Luke tells us the fact the Father knowing, uh, and I'm not sure of the exact wording there, but in other words, he knows if one sparrow falls to the ground, he knows it. Um, he's everywhere, so he's omnipresent. He's also, you know, add to that, he's omnipotent. He has all power. Matthew twenty-eight eighteen says, "All power is given unto me." And Jesus said that. Luke twelve four and five, and I say unto you, my friends, be not afraid of them that kill the body, and after that have no more power that they can do. But I will forewarn you whom ye shall fear. Fear him that after he hath killed hath power to cast into hell. Yea, I say unto you, fear him. So, you know, God is, has all power. He's omnipotent. He, he, on the sea, he, he can make the lame to walk, the blind to see, and all the, you know, he has all power. You know, we looked at Sunday morning how the centurion recognized that Jesus just say the word. He recognized that he had all power. He controls the universe and everything therein. So is it not go without saying we ought to fear God for who he is? You ever have somebody say this, this, this to you? Now we say it to each other in jokes. I know where you live. God not only knows where you live, he knows what you're thinking. He knows everywhere you go. He knows everything about you. Even your thoughts far off, the psalmist tells us. So we need to fear him because of who he is. Secondly, because of what he has done. Verses 8 and 10. 8 through 10. O Lord God of hosts, who is a strong Lord like unto thee, or to thy faithfulness round about thee? Thou rulest the raging of the sea. When the waves thereof arise, thou stillest them. Thou hast broken Rahab in pieces as one that is slain. Thou hast scattered thine enemies with thy strong arm. Because of what he has done. And I've got two points here also. First of all, because of what he has done to those that oppose him. To those that oppose him. Now he mentions here, in verse 10, thou hast broken Rahab in pieces. Um, that word, the, the, the title there, the word Rahab is, according to commentators and cross in the Bible, is a reference to Egypt. It's a poetic form of a reference to Egypt. 80, Psalm 87 verse 4 says... Um, yeah, I will make mention of Rahab and Omi. Behold, Flishta and Tyre, Flishta and Tyre, and with Ethiopia, this man was born there. So this is places that God judges uh, sooner or later. Uh, judged um, uh, would judge, and and so Rahab is one here that, or Egypt is one that opposed him. Now, what to me? Now I ask myself the question: as reading Psalm eighty-seven, what's significant about? Egypt and Babylon. What's significant about Egypt as a great example to us? What did Pharaoh say about God? Who is the Lord that I should obey him? You know, that's about like Amelia in a year from now saying you're dead. Who do you think you are? 
and Babylon. What's significant about Babylon or Nebuchadnezzar in particular? Well, Daniel 4.30 tells us this. Is not this great Babylon that I have built for the house of thy kingdom by the might of my power and for the honor of my majesty? Look at the great USA which we have built. Maybe we've forgotten who built us. But turn over to Daniel chapter 4. Daniel 4, verse 34. <clears throat> you know, the words aren't any more out of Nebuchadnezzar's mouth than he hears some words. Daniel 4, verse 31 says, while the word was in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven saying, O Nebuchadnezzar, to thee it is spoken, thy kingdom is departed from thee. They shall drive thee from them, that be with the beasts of the field, they shall make thee eat grass as oxen, seven times shall pass over thee, until thou know that the most high ruleth in the kingdom of men, and give it to him to whomsoever he will. The same hours the thing fulfilled upon Nebuchadnezzar, and he was driven from men, the grass. His body was wet with the dew of heaven, till his hairs were grown like eagles' feathers, and his nails like birds' claws. At the end of the days of Nebuchadnezzar, I, I Nebuchadnezzar, lifted up mine eyes unto heaven, and mine understanding returned unto me, and I blessed the Most High, and I praised him that liveth forever, whose dominion is from an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom is from generation to generation. And all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing, and he doeth according to his will in the army of heaven, and among the inhabitants of the earth. And none can stay his hand or say to him, what doest thou? Verse 37, Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the king of heaven, all whose works are truth and his ways judgment, and those that walk in pride he is able to abase. Yeah, Pharaoh said, Who's the Lord that I should obey him? And he ended up in the Red Sea. Nebuchadnezzar said, hey, look at this kingdom that I have for my power. And God made him eat grass like an ox. So seven times, I believe it was seven years. It doesn't particularly say that, but it's number of sevens there. Um, there's even a, in, in ancient history, there's a record of some king that of Babylon who became in. Later, his kingdom was restored to him. It's some kind of insanity, and he lived like a beast. Um, here it is. But anyway, uh, until he realized that he didn't build his kingdom, God gave it to him. God gave it to him. See, God is able to oppose him. But he's also able, we need to look at what he has done for his people. You know, think again, think about Egypt here, he delivered Israel from the bondage in Egypt. Uh, of course, we know that he eventually delivered Israel from Babylon as well. They were returned from Babylon. Look at Isaiah 43. Isaiah 43. Isaiah 43, verses 1 through 3. 
But now, thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, and he that formed thee, O Israel, fear not, I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by thy name, thou art mine. When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned. Neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. For I am the Lord thy God, the Holy One of Israel, thy Savior. I gave Egypt for thy ransom, Ethiopia and Seba for thee. Uh, he said, you know, I, when, you, when you go through the waters, rivers, fire, whatever, I will be with thee. I will be with thee. Psalm 121. Psalm 121. I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills, from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. He will not suffer thy foot to be moved. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is thy keeper. The Lord is thy shade upon thy right hand. The sun shall not smite thee by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve thee from all evil. He shall preserve thy soul. The Lord shall preserve thy going out and thy coming in from this time forth, even forevermore. Uh, but go to New Testament, Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Those promises are particularly given to Israel, but look at Romans chapter 8. Paul writing to the church or churches at Rome. And um, in uh, Romans 8, verse 31. What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? In other words, if God be for you, who can prevail against you? That's the question. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lend anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. You know, if you if you if you if you've been saved, if you've repented of your sin, put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, no one can condemn. According to the Roman Catholic Church, you're all condemned to hell. in there if you're not in the church Catholic uh, who shall lay anything to the charge of God that is God that justifieth the church doesn't justify who is he that condemneth it is Christ that died yea rather that is risen again who is even at the right hand of God who also maketh intercession for us who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or fire, or sword, as is written for thy more than conquerors to him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature to be able to separate us from the love of Christ, uh, love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And of course, Hebrews 13, 5 and 6. Let your conversation be without covetousness, for he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man should do unto me. 
See, we need to fear God because of what he has done. We also need to fear him because we are his creation. Notice verse eight, or verse uh, 11 and 12 of Psalm 89. The heavens are thine, the earth also is thine. As for the world and the fullness thereof, thou hast founded them. The north and the south, thou hast created them. Tabor and Hermon shall rejoice in thy name. Uh, we are his creation. We are his by creation. Isaiah 43, 7 says, every, Even every one that is called by my name, for I have created him for my glory. I have formed him. Yea, I have made him. You know, God made us to glorify himself. Uh, Revelation 4.11 says, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. God, Everything God made, He made it for His glory. So He made it for Himself. Isaiah 45.12 I have made the earth and created, and created man upon it, I, even my hands, have stretched out the heavens, and all their hosts have I commanded them. See, all the host of heaven and earth is at his command. From the littlest creatures to the animals to mankind, they're all his command. Sometimes it's hard for us to reconcile that with things that are going on in the world, I know. But God has also given us free will. And God is allowing man to have his way. But he can only go so far. As we're going to Jeremiah 25. I have made the earth, the man, and the beasts that are upon the ground by my great power and by my outstretched arm, and have given it unto him whom it seemed meet unto me. So God's given us dominion of the, earth, of the world. It's sort, of like he, it's sort of like he's given us the title deed to it. Authority over it. Revelation talks about it. he's going to take that back, but, but, and so he he's given it to us, and he he has given it to man, and and he, but again, you know, man has a free will, and he allows us to have our will, although I believe he'll only allow us to go so far. And Genesis six, that, where it says, and the Lord said, I will destroy man, whom I have created from the face of the earth. Both man and beast and the creeping thing and the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. So God, God has given man a free will to do his own way and do his own thing like he is today. But God only allow that to go so far. And what he saw in Genesis 6 was the imagination only the imaginations of every man's heart was only evil continually. Isaiah 14, 27. For the Lord of hosts hath purposed, and who shall disannul it? His hand is stretched out, and who shall turn it back? Or Job chapter 9. Job 9. You know, Job struggled with the fact that God has control over everything, and yet 
we suffer. There's difficulties in life, and, and sometimes trying to reconcile those two things and explain some things, it, it sometimes it's, it's hard for us to understand. And Job, I believe, had that problem. And, uh, of course, we have the uh, privilege of having the whole Bible, and Job didn't have any of the Scripture. Job's the first book of the Bible, uh, really the oldest book of the Bible. It says, Then Job answered and said, I know it is of so of a truth, but how should man be, justified, be just with God? If he will contend with him, he cannot answer one of a thousand. He is wise in heart and mighty in strength. Who hath hardened himself against him and hath prospered? Which removeth the mountains, and they know not. Which overturneth them in his anger. Which shaketh the earth out of her place, and the pillars thereof tremble. Which commandeth the sun, and it riseth not. And sealeth up the stars. Which alone spreadeth out the heavens, and treadeth upon the ways of the sea. Which maketh Arcturus, Orion, and Platus, and the chambers of the south. Which doeth great things past finding out. Yea, and wonders without number. Lo, he goeth by me, and I see him not. He passeth on also, but I perceive him not. Behold, he taketh away. Who can hinder him? Who will say unto him, What doest thou? So who can say to God, What are you doing? What are you doing? See, because he is the creator. So we need to fear him. We are his creation. Then fourthly, because of what he has said, notice verses 13 and 14 says, Thou hast a mighty arm, strong as thy hand and high as thy right hand. Justice and judgment are the habitation of thy throne. Mercy and truth shall go before thy face. Now, justice and judgment, it says, are the habitation of the word habitation means fixed or established place or the foundation. So his throne is established upon justice and judgment, our God. Justice and a God of judgment. Your justice requires that if there's a crime or a wrong, it must be paid for. That's justice. Um, but also to see two other words here. Mercy and truth shall go before thy face. Uh, mercy, a simple definition of the word mercy, is withholding what we deserve. God withholds what we deserve. And then of course truth, we understand what truth is, and and the Bible says in John 1.17, For the law was given by Moses, and the, you know, the law was without mercy. There's no mercy in the law. It's judgment. It meets out justice. No mercy in the law. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. That's the law. That's you and I. That's where we are. Or were. But, so the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Of course, truth, the truth is, Christ was judged. He was condemned for our sin. Justice required 
the penalty be paid. And so he was judged or he was condemned in our place and our penalty is paid by him. Therefore, if we receive or accept the payment, justice then requires we be set free. Because the penalty's paid. You can't pay the penalty twice. Romans, that's what Romans 3 tells us. Romans chapter 3. <clears throat> Verse uh, 24. Being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood and declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God, to declare, I say at this time, his righteousness. You know, God is right. God is just. That he, notice, that he might be just, so he meted out justice, and at the same time, he's the justifier of you and I who believe in Jesus as Lord and Savior. Where is boasting then is excluded? By what law? Of works? Nay, but by the law of faith. So justice by God was meted out. But on Jesus in our place. Second Corinthians 5.21 For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Go to John chapter 3. John chapter 3. Verse 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned. See, we're set free. But he that believeth not doesn't accept the payment. It's condemned already. Because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation. The light is coming to the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds are evil. For everyone doeth evil, hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds shall be reproved. But he that doeth truth. There's the word we find over in Psalm 89. The truth. He that doeth truth. Everyone that doeth truth. Uh, the truth cometh to the light that his deeds may be manifest that they are wrought in God. See, everybody that is true, that's honest with themselves, will accept the payment. Do you realize to say that, no, to God is saying, you're a liar. That's what John 1 tells us. We believe that have we no sin, we've made him a liar. Truth is not in us. See, we're not being honest with ourselves, and we're not being honest with God. Honest with ourselves is the fact that I need help. I'm condemned, and rightly so. But that God loved me enough 
me enough to send his son to die for me that I could have life, that I could be uncondemned. Yes, God is a God of justice and a God of judgment, but he's also a God of mercy and truth. Mercy. Oh, what a merciful God we have. So the question is, do you have a proper fear or reverence for God? By the way, you know, even if we're saved, we still ought to fear God. There's something wrong if we don't fear God. I have a hard time with people who say they're saved and don't have any fear or reverence for God. Could take his name in vain. It bothers me. Can supposedly worship him looking like they're going to the beach or somewhere. That's a lack of reverence. You know, we, we, you know, the psalmist said here that he used to be greatly feared in the assembly of the saints. You know, for, even for a child of God, if he disobey God, we will be chastened. So do we have a proper reverence, fear of God and his son, Jesus Christ? After all, John 5.22 tells us, Father judgeth no man, but hath committed all judgment unto the Son. So, it's the Son that we're going to have to stand before and give an account. In fact, look at Romans chapter 2. Romans chapter 2 brings this out very clearly. Romans 2. Verse 2, we are sure that the judgment of God is according to truth against them which commit such things. Verse, you ought to line line these four verses in this chapter. Verse 6 says, who render to every man according to his deeds. Verse 11, for there is no respect of persons with God. And then verse 16, in the day when God shall judge the secrets of men, by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. So God's judgment is going to be according to truth. And there isn't any respect of persons. And we're going to have to, every one of us is going to have to make account for ourselves. And he's going to judge us by that man, Jesus Christ, the God-man. He's committed all judgment under the sun. I believe it will be Jesus Christ that will sit on the great white throne and say, depart from me, ye cursed. I believe it will be the one that they know they rejected as their Lord and as their Savior. He'll still have the nail-scarred hand, the wounds in his feet, the only, like one person said, the only traces of sin in heaven will be the scars in his hands and in his feet.
Paul writing to Timothy in 2 Timothy 4, 1 says, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead, the saved and the lost, at his appearing and his kingdom. Oh, we need to have a godly fear of our Lord and of our Savior. Child of God, it should be one, you know, we might use the word more of reverence, of great respect, giving deference to. But for a lost person, he ought to be one of dread. Of dread. Because as I quoted Luke, chapter 12 says, but I will for Verse 5, but I will forewarn you whom ye shall fear. Fear him which after he hath killed hath power to cast into hell. Yea, I say unto you, fear him. Do you fear the Lord tonight? Are you prepared to meet him? Because we're all going to stand and give an account one day. And we don't know when. We don't know when. It could be before the night's out. It could be 10 years from now. It could be 100 years from now. Well, it isn't going to be 100 years from any of us. We're already too old. We don't know. But we do know it is going to happen. It's a point on the man wants to die. And after this, the judgment. Are we ready to meet the Lord? the Lord of justice and judgment, but also of mercy and truth. Which will you receive? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you again for the time in your word tonight. Thank you for the instruction and the warning that it gives us. Oh Lord, we thank you that you are concerned about our every need. That's why you give us these warnings in your word, these instructions. And Lord, I pray that you help us to heed, help us to have ears to hear and hearts to obey. Thank you and praise you for what you do. We pray in Jesus' name.